Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Keys Vineyard Community Church. We're very glad you're with us uh, this evening. We um, it's Advent season, and over the next few weeks, we'll be talking about sort of the main aspects of Advent. Tonight, we're going to talk about hope. Uh, then we'll talk about joy. Then we'll talk about peace, and then we'll talk about love on uh, Christmas Day, which uh, works out pretty well. Good topic, and. Um, and so, so today we're going to talk about hope. Biblical hope is so important that uh, uh, I, I like this topic. I think we'll enjoy talking about it together. Also, I've been working on the series for next year, the new series. I'm going to call that one From, uh, from Nothing to Something. And, and hope will, is sort of the foundation for that, too, will be in First Peter when the time comes. So, so this is a sort of a, a good way to get started thinking about hope uh, on the journey. Um, but before we hop into our discussion on hope, um, sort of bad joke time transition. Here's some things to say when you uh, receive a Christmas gift that you don't really like. Just trying to help prepare you in case that happens. You could say, you know what, of all the gifts that I've gotten for Christmas, this is one of them. It's you can say, well, I love it, but I, I fear the jealousy it will inspire. To think, I got this the year I vowed to give all my gifts to charity. Yeah. And the number one thing you can say if you get a Christmas gift you don't like, I really don't deserve this. There you go. I got one other one in case none of those worked. Why does the Christmas alphabet have only 25 letters? Because there's no L. Scripture reading. Matthew chapter 2. We read this last week, but I want to read it again. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born in Bethlehem in Judea. They replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. And then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And after having been warned, warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Blessed be the word of the Lord. I'm going to talk about hope with that passage in just a moment, but let's kind of look at hope a little bit. Now, hope is a trustful expectation, particularly when it comes to the fulfilling of God's promises. Um, we sort of sometimes have a different idea of a hope, worldly hope, the, the stuff that we sort of often will settle for. It's based on a feeling that what is wanted will happen. 
So we might say things like, I hope our, my team wins, you know, tomorrow. I hope, you know, if I go fishing, I catch some fish. Or it's, it's sort of a, a feeling that something that you want might happen. But biblical hope is different. Biblical hope is more than a feeling. Biblical hope is the confidence that what God has done for us in the past guarantees our participation in what God will do in the future. See, that's the, the heart, that's the foundation of a biblical hope. Uh, the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 10, 23, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. So when our hope is in him, the result is that we can persevere in this life regardless of the situations in life that we experience. In him, there's always a bigger picture. There's always more to life if we can get a glimpse of it from the throne room of God instead of always looking from our own very limited perspective. And too often, we, we look at everything from us in the center of the story instead of remembering that he's at the center, we're describing him with our lives, and, and that he's got us, and, and he, he's got everything in control. Now, I talked a little bit about the wise men last week, um, but I, I want to talk about them for a moment again as we, as we sort of launch into this idea of hope. Now, the, the wise men, I told you that the magi were, um, they were scholars. They, they, were, they, they took time to study uh, basically uh, astronomy and theology, uh, and so they, they were scholars. And um, they, they had devoted and developed and, and you know, given their life to studying the details of a story that was much bigger than they were, hoping in, in their studies to find their place in the bigger story. And so they, they studied the Scriptures to discover God's meaning for the world as, as long as, you know, trying to, to see how all of it began to fit together. And, and it was in there, you know, that they discover that uh, a king is going to arrive on the scene, uh, a light to reveal to the entire world the meaning of their lives. And, and, and then, you know, at that point in time in their lives, their, their hopes are realized. Um, the king of the heart that is foretold in the scriptures would come to them in their lifetime. And so they pack up everything that they have and they, they, they give up everything to follow a star uh, lighting up the night sky. And when they finally find Jesus, when they see Jesus, they bow down in, in, in you know, intense, breathless worship. And, and you know, they, they realize that life um, is found in Him. It will never be found in the accumulation of, of wealth or, or prestige, but in knowing God's purpose for the world and for themselves. And it filled them with His awe that caused them to bow down and worship the Lord. And see, all of us, just like the wise men, we have this, this quest going on inside of us for the real meaning of our lives. And, and the Christmas story, you know, it, it tells us that, that God is pursuing us and that He meets us on this journey and he, he knows that it's really Him that we're looking for, our Creator and our Lord. And, and you know, the, the life that He has for you is filled with meaning and destiny and, and, and you have such a wonderful purpose that's held in His heart for you. And, and this is at the heart of this biblical hope that we read about. And it's this, this, the realization that life is found in Him and that, that, that He's got this amazing plan and purpose and, and movement in our lives. 
uh, that, that revolves in our relationship with Him. And, and so He is the God of all hope. And, and no matter what we might experience in, in life, and, and even during the hard times and the difficult times, um, He is the God of hope, and we need to remember that. And, and that these few points that I have, I think, will help us to remember why our hope is in Him. So, first thing I want to talk about is that in Him, you have a wonderful promise. You have a wonderful promise. So, the basis for our hope is found, as I said earlier, in the way that God has kept His promises to us in the past. And, and many of us have, um, in our walk, we've seen God be faithful over and over and over again. But I want to take it back even further than that. I, I ultimately want to take it back to the Garden of Eden. And, and there, in the, in the tragic moments of the fall, um, after Adam and Eve had, had partaken of the fruit they were told not to eat, um, and everything changed in a moment. Paradise had been violated by the entrance of sin. And it looked like the enemy had won. And, and that God's plan had been foiled uh, for relationship with us. And, and our, our first parents had fallen from, from innocence. And, 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 you know, from that moment, sin spread out across the earth. And it stained and continues to stain everything it touches. Um, this was a, a horrible moment in history. You know, the, the, you know think about the, the idea that, that God created us for relationship. Uh, and uh, relationship with Him and relationship with one another. That's, that's the whole deal. That's, that's still what makes a difference. You know, the, the, Jesus, when asked what's the most important thing, love God, heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. But nothing's changed. It's this, this is the heart of everything that we understand is this relationship that we're to have with God. And out of this relationship with God, the relationship we have with other people is at the heart of it all. And the enemy twisted it and destroyed it and, and, and you know, deceived Adam and Eve and that sin has, that deception now has spread throughout the world to all of us. And, and you know, there in the beginning is sort of that moment that you hang there and you wonder, well, what, what will God do? How will he deal with people um, who had chosen to fall, you know, to go in their own direction, to turn away from him? You know, would he destroy them and, and, and start over again? No, the, the idea that happens here is sal salvation begins with the idea that God never gave up on the human race that he was determined to do something, and he wouldn't let the evil one win the battle for us and for the planet. And so that's very on in the Scripture, Genesis 3. From there on, in the Old Testament, is an unfolding of the plan of God's redemption for us to, to counteract what happened there in the Garden of Eden. And at that point in time, in Genesis 3, he makes his promise, which might seem a little vague at first, but really, it opens up the doorway to everything that's going to happen. And, and it, it's a promise that can be traced through the Old Testament. When, I, when I'm teaching on the Old Testament on Wednesday nights, I, I get everybody to that point. And I tell them that that promise in Genesis 3.15 is known as the crimson thread of redemption. And, and the promise in its purest form was this, that God would do something about sin by sending someone to the earth. But who and how? and where, and when. And so, so let's look at the, the unfolding answer to this amazing question that I just asked you. Genesis 3.15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head, 
and you will strike his heel. And that might seem like a small, obscure verse, but there's an amazing amount of information in there concerning God's plan to rescue us uh, as, as his people. Um, first thing we can get from is that God's plan there centered in a specific person. That person, that little verse tells us, would be a man. Uh, it would, he tells us in that, that verse that he will enter the human race by being born of a woman. Uh, the fourth thing we know from that verse, tiny verse, lots of stuff, right? He will do battle with the evil one. We know that the evil one will strike a blow against him but will not defeat him. And we also know that he will crush the evil one and his power. It's fascinating what we know from a little verse, isn't it? But those are the things that we know. Is it starting to sound like anybody that you know? Ah, the star of the Christmas story. So when the deliverer, the Savior, when he comes, he'll be the seed of a woman. That is, he's not going to be an angel or some super, you know, natural creature. But he'll be a man that will enter the human race by being born of a woman. And, and so in Genesis 3.15, this is the first link in a long change that leads us to Bethlehem. Now, he, he's not going to be any ordinary man because he's going to be fully man and fully God. But that's how he's going to enter the world. I talked about that a little last week. In this amazing, humble way, just like we were, he's going to be born into it. Now, if we had time, we could go through the Scriptures, and, and, and we could go through each one of these verses, but I just want to hit the highlights about what happens on this crimson thread of redemption, and, and we can go and you can find the verses later on. But what we know about him as well is that he'll be Jewish. We know that from the promises in the New Testament. We know that he'll come from the tribe of Judah. We know that he will be a descendant of David. We know that he will be born in Bethlehem. We know that he will be born of a virgin. Many more qualifications that the Messiah would have, this Savior would come, but only one person ever fulfilled them, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he fulfilled them perfectly. And there were so many of them that it's mind-boggling that he perfectly fit into all of the prophetic voice that called for him to come. And, and I, I say all that to let you know you, you have this wonderful promise from God about someone who would come to deliver you and to save you and restore you back into relationship with God because of the damage that our sin has uh, caused us in that relationship. So, so you have these amazing promises. And, and look, he's fulfilled them. He's all of them, fulfilled them. He's fulfilled them. He's fulfilled them. He's fulfilled his promises. And, and he promises he'll continue to do that and he'll fulfill the ones that are yet to come. Um, but he's done it over and over and over again. So you have this wonderful promise from God about relationship with him. Secondly, because of those promises, you have a wonderful life. You have a wonderful life. It's like a movie I need to watch yet between now and Christmas. But I'm saving it because it's a long one. But you have a wonderful life. And, and so because of these promises fulfilled by Jesus, we have this wonderful life. I, I always tell you this. It's a full and abundant now and forever life. And, and in the now, see, we, we, we still experience the fallout of living in a fallen world on a broken planet. But we're not alone. This is what's so cool. He is with us now. This is the now part of this thing. And, and so even though life can be difficult, and we talked about that, and, and, and things can happen that we don't want to happen, and might not always go in the direction we want them to go in, um, He's with us. It's what Emmanuel means, God with us. He's with us in the now, in the moment. And I love this verse in Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength 
an ever-present help in trouble. I find it comforting that help comes in the times of trouble. First off, you know, you got to be in trouble, and I think most of us can say, hey, that's not too difficult. <laughs> Second, when we're in the midst of it, God sends his help and proves to us that he's our refuge and our strength. That's an awesome deal. Uh, none of us likes trouble. I mean, I don't care for it. Um, but because we live in a fallen world on a broken planet, we experience enough of it. And the promise is that in those times, he is our refuge and our strength. I think that's a really neat thing to remember when you're going through those things. And it's a hope builder. He's with us. And we also, we make a difference in, in the, the world around us. Ephesians 2.10 says we're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So in this now and forever life, in the now part of this life, he's with us in times of troubles. He's, he's walking through this thing with us. We've talked about that a lot. And filled by his spirit, we have all these amazing things happening. And we have purpose because we have mission. We're a people of mission. Uh, and, and, and he's created us. We're his workmanship. Um, that word, I, I love that word in the Greek, it's poema. And that's workmanship. We're his masterpiece. We're his poem. We're his work of art. Um, this is him speaking about you. And, and he's created you the way he's created you, and he's given you purpose in this world. And, and so, you know, we're, we're to make an impact on the world around us. And that, that, that makes life have meaning and purpose beyond us. See, if we get caught up in us, if, we, if our focus is always us, we miss the bigger picture. Life, you can't find it there. This whole thing of life, really, I, I said it earlier, it's, it boils down to this relationship that we have with God and with others. And, and until we embrace that, that it's bigger than us, we miss life. Uh, and, and we miss the purpose. And we can get, we can get caught up in, in the things that are impacting us in negative ways and miss the bigger picture. But, but we want to know that we can rest in him. We have hope in him and that he's, he's bigger than, than the story and he's bigger than the problems that we face. And, and that in this life, he'll use us. And, and that, that makes life matter. Um, it's bigger than, than all the other stuff. And so we have this now life with him with us and for us. And we also, thirdly, we have a wonderful future ahead of us. We have a wonderful future ahead of us. 1 Peter 1, 3, and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Kept in heaven for you. See, as... And don't get me wrong, this now life is the best life that you can have. This now life in Christ is better than any other deal out there. But it's still got this fallen world component that we have to deal with, which isn't always fun. But what's coming is an inheritance. I love that. That can never perish, spoil, or fade. Sin can't hit it, can't impact it, can't ruin it, can't tarnish it, tarnish it can't take it away, can't make it less than and, and it's kept perfectly for you uh, in heaven, in the future, where we're headed with him. And that whatever we go through now in comparison to what we're heading to is so insignificant that it, that it, it ultimately just won't matter. 
So we have to continue to keep that in mind that, that we, there's life for us now, and it's the best life we can have is in Christ. But what's coming is even better, but, but we're, we're to have purpose and meaning and impact now. We just don't want to wait for what's coming, but we have to know in the back of our mind it is coming and that, that it's going to make everything worthwhile. I often think when I, when I read about something coming, back years ago, I don't know why I have these, these thoughts, but I, I, I played football in high school. And when I played football in high school, it was in Michigan. Uh, in the summer, we would start to practice, and it was hot in Michigan. People always hot. Isn't it hot down in the Keys? It, Michigan in the summer is way hotter than it ever here in the Keys because it's, it's like 105 and there's no breeze. And we would do these things called two-a-days. I don't even know if they can legally do them anymore. <laughs> but, but it would be like two hours twice a day of torture, and they didn't believe in giving you water back then. <laughs> we were, we were going to be men, darn it. It was the 70s. And it would be dusty and dry, and you would, like, and, and you would think, why am I doing this to myself? And the reason that you would put yourself through it was for the games. If it the, if the, wasn't the promise of the game, no one would ever practice that hard. You would do it because the game was coming. And you would endure this mess. And there'd be some times when it was okay and it was not so bad and it was kind of fun. And you had, a few things are going, you know, you have a scrimmage or something. It wasn't too bad. It was nothing compared to the game. It was the practice. But it was necessary. It was something that you did. Well, well, I often think about that, that, that what's coming is so amazing that when you think about it, you don't, you don't get lost in it. You don't just, oh, it's just for the game because you, you lose out what's happening. But, but you have to know it's so much better that it makes this even better. And he wants us to live in that tension. And so, so to develop this hope, you know, I want to encourage you, think about and read about all the promises of God for you. And that the more you fill your heart with, with the thoughts of, of what he's done and what he's doing and what he's promised to do and, and the promises that are yet to come. I, I think it helps us to just keep that hope in him and that, that living hope is, is what, you know, the, the first Peter called it. And we're, we're going to talk more about that in the next series, that idea of a living hope, a hope that's alive in him. It's, it's like, a, a, you know, it's so amazing because of the Spirit of God and what He's doing that, that this hope actually lives in us if we'll allow it to. Uh, you have a very real enemy who wants to steal it from you, but don't let him. Paul said in Romans 15, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's this picture of this living hope. You know, this hope means better days are, are, are coming. Uh, if you're going through something difficult, it don't always be that way. Hope invaded the world 2,000 years ago at Bethlehem. And, and, you know, that hope wants to continually invade our lives. But we need to be just like the wise men that we read about. We, we come and we bow before the king and we, we, we worship him and we, we, we adore him and we're, we're in awe of him and what he's done and what he's going to do. And, and this, this hope is available to all who will come and humble themselves and bow in faith and serve and worship the Lord Jesus. And that's the hope that he wants for you. And that's the hope where you'll find life. So that's the, the gift of hope and, uh, and what's coming at us and what we're to experience now. Uh, joy, peace, and love are coming up in our talks in the next few weeks. But that's good for today. If you're watching my video, thanks for watching. Appreciate you doing that. Come and visit us when you can. If you need prayer, there's a prayer page on the website. You go there. We will pray for you, and we will see you.